Thanks so much for listening. We are back. The season is just about over. The regular season, there's only five or six games left. Um, The Lakers, for the last week, week and a half, we have been kind of bouncing in and out, in and out, in and out of that eighth playoff spot. We um, were really hot coming out the All-Star break. Then we hit a little bit of a skid, a little bit of a slump. Then we started playing well again. And we were kind of looking all the way up to this to the sixth spot, maybe the seventh spot, taking Houston, maybe even Golden State. Uh, but now it looks like the only hope that we have is just to actually hang on to that eighth spot, which is going to be a challenge in itself because Utah doesn't seem to be willing to relinquish it. Uh, Utah owns the tiebreaker, so if we have a every time we've had a even identical record with Utah where that actually puts us in ninth place Uh, and that's happened several times over the past week or so we lose a game Utah wins we end up tied we're out then we win we're in Utah loses we're in Utah wins we're out it's we're just going back and forth back and forth right on that bubble so uh if if we even do get in which is not entirely in our control uh, anymore, um, we're going in as eighth. So, I mean, we definitely, we pretty much have to win out to have a shot. I mean, we we could win out, and if Utah wins out, then we're still going to be out. So we we need a little bit of help. We have to win all of our games. Uh, we just lost to the Clippers, ending the season sweep over the Lakers that the Clips got for the first time in their history and also clinching their first ever division banner. Um, first and foremost, foremost, uh, congrats, Clips. You know, they're an L.A. team, and they've been working really hard. they got a great team going, a great thing, and they're playing well. Um, so congratulations to them. They're still an L.A. team. Uh, the, the flopping was a little bit of an, a little bit annoying, but that's nothing really new coming out of the clips. But I mean, that's not, that's not their whole game. Obviously they do play well. They play with lots of energy. They're deep, uh, and they're driven and they got a bunch of old Lakers on the squad. So <laughs> that was, um, that was funny as there was a scene, there was a scene, there was a play in the uh, the game where uh, Kobe was going uh, one on two with with Lamar and Matt Barnes, <laughs> both covering him, and he shot it over both of them, made this incredible, difficult shot. But uh, I was thinking, man, for Kobe, that just probably seems like practice, you know, because those are the guys that he would practice against uh, when they were on the Lakers coming off the bench. So uh, that was kind of funny. So anyway, so Clippers Clippers are doing well. Um, they're but they're kind of themselves are kind of going back and forth between the third seed and the fourth seed. Memphis is doing well. Also, we kind of helped the Clippers a little bit by beating Memphis a couple of games ago. Um, but uh, that was, I mean, that was a good win for us. Although it came down to the wire again, and uh, it was a little too close, a little too close for comfort. Uh, but that seems to be happening a lot. Um, we're, we're winning when we win games, we're winning them close. Kobe's playing a lot of minutes, which really concerns me. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a problem. Um, and it's, it's, it's a coaching problem, which, which most things that are wrong with the team, with the exception of the biggest problem that the team had has had all year, which is injuries. Obviously, the coaches don't control injuries. That's not their fault or anybody's fault, and that's the biggest obstacle that we've had to try to overcome this entire year is the injuries. Uh, don't don't think that it's not. It's 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 a hard thing. The kind of injuries that we've sustained. Uh, is almost next to impossible for any team to overcome. And the team has 
been working and doing everything that they can to overcome the injuries. The problem was if that if that was our only issue, then we might have, you know, a puncher's chance. But unfortunately, that's not the only issue that plagues the team. We also have the rotation issue. You know, we have the the Kobe issue of of him shooting us out of games and or playing too many minutes. Um, and the defense. And uh, I mean, things. The defense has been has been improving. It has been getting better, and it's it's been getting better slowly. All year long, uh, and slowly all year long is kind of a that's being a little bit generous. It's it's taken a long time for the defense to kind of uh, get going, uh, but the last the last couple of weeks they they have had longer spurts of good defensive play. I mean, we we start about mid season we started to have short spurts of good defense. You know, maybe like like for a few minutes here, a few minutes there, and then after a while, it grew into maybe like a quarter here or a quarter there. We played a good quarter here, a good quarter there, and then we get blown out in the next quarter. And as as time goes on, the amount of time that the team was able to play good, consistent defense has slowly grown. Now, obviously, this is this is not something you want to be happening during the season. The team <laughs> slowly learning how to play defense, at least not for a team that has championship aspirations, which obviously in the beginning of the season and even throughout the season, this team has has had and and still has. But that's it's really hard to see to hope to overcome all these issues. If if any of these things were into of itself our only issue, then it would be something that could be possibly overcome. If the only issue was the defense. You know, let's say nobody got injured this whole year, everybody was healthy, they still wouldn't have had a defensive plan in the beginning of the year and all that, but let's say that learning taking all season to slowly learn how to play defense and have the mental consistency to play good defense and the mental toughness if that was our only issue then we might be able to be to be okay uh you know but mix in all the injuries that we've had with the the lack of defensive lack of defensive and then there's like a list comes up in my head lack of defensive you know consistency lack of defensive effort lack of defensive plan lack of defensive concept uh it's it just go down the line um, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, I, I think I really feel like the guys are playing hard and and really trying. I mean, we've we've we as in like the sports media and and myself also have really been critical of the team all year about effort. They just don't play with any effort, you know. And it's kind of, I think it's kind of easy to say that. I've mentioned this before too that it's it's. It's a little bit, it's kind of lazy actually to for me. I, I, it's lazy for me to say, oh, they're just there's just no effort, uh, because if you really watch the games, really, it's not it's not that they're not playing with effort. They just either when they're tired or they're old or they they don't have the plan. You know, I mean, you can you can criticize the rotation, and and when I say you can criticize the rotation, I don't mean it as in you shouldn't be criticizing the location the rotation what i mean to say when i say you can criticize the rotation is you can criticize the rotation <laughs> i mean there's plenty to criticize in terms of the rotations that uh, d'antoni has been using all all year you know he has a he has a relatively short bench uh which which can work you know it's not like nobody in the history of basketball has played with a, a short bench before you know it happens it happens all the time but the the problem is that in today's nba with so many teams are going going small and going fast that you you almost have to have a long bench just to keep up with the the amount of athleticism that teams are playing with you know and if you try to fight that with a team that has a short bench and that team is on the older side which we are, 
it makes it really difficult to do. You know, so you say, okay, well, why do we have such a short bench? Why is D'Antoni only playing a certain amount of players? Why, why doesn't he ever play Devin? You know, why doesn't he play Darius? Why doesn't he play Sacre? Why doesn't he play Duhan anymore? You know, it's, and he's, he's kind of set it straight up. He doesn't trust them. He says he's playing the guys who he trusts. And I talked about this on the last podcast too. It, it, he's pretty much written those guys off, you know? So, my okay he doesn't trust them maybe they're not picking up the scheme fast enough or they're not playing hard enough in practice or whatever criteria he has for not trusting them uh my question is what is happening in practice you know are you are you trying to coach and teach those guys in practice and they're just not getting it you know or what what my fear is and what I would bank on is happening that he, D'Antoni has written those guys off in practice also. He's probably just working with the guys that he thinks are going to play and then the other guys can kind of do what they want. So, which, which means once you get on that, in that, quote, doghouse, unquote, Mike D'Antoni's doghouse, you're, you're probably not going to get out because you don't have a shot. You know, I mean... Uh, uh, Anton Jameson broke out of the doghouse earlier because he like, had to play him because of injuries. You know, Jordan Hill broke out of the doghouse just because he had to play because of injuries, and and they played great. You know, I mean, the only reason that that we found out how Earl Clark could play was because of injuries, so he had to play him, and then and then he just blossomed. You know, uh, it's it's great that these guys took their opportunity, but I don't feel like the opportunities are being offered or given to players. And that's just my take. And granted, I'm not at practice right now. I do not see this happening. I just, I know people, I know coaching, and I know players. And I, I can, this is from what I see, these guys are looking like they have no shot to get in the rotation. You know, I mean, obviously, as a professional, you always keep yourself ready and, you know, you 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 be ready. You keep working, you keep staying in the gym so that if your number is called, you know, you're ready to go, you know, and that's happening on the team. It's not like that doesn't happen on the Lakers. You know, that's happening on the team, definitely, because that's exactly what happened with Jordan. And that's what happened with with Earl and it happened with Anton Jameson also, you know, even though he was brought in to do a specific thing and then he uh, found himself on the bench. But um, anyway, so there's the rotation. This that's. That's the problem. And and again, the rotation and injuries are not mutually exclu- exclusive either because one affects the other. Um, the rotation wouldn't necessarily be a big of, as big of an issue if we had everybody healthy. But the problem is that guys go down, guys get injured, and if it's the Lakers, guys have major injuries, but the bench doesn't uh, expand. You know, I mean, right now, Kobe has been averaging... Like over the last four four games, he's averaged like forty eight minutes. I mean, he's played in the last four games. He's played like what? It was like forty seven, forty three, forty eight, and forty seven minutes. I mean, it's that's crazy for for someone in his seventeenth year in the league. I mean, most every other NBA player at their seventeenth year, they're not playing. They're sitting on their couch. You know, they're not in there. And if they are, they're definitely not playing those kind of minutes. But the problem is, one, you know, we have two starters who are currently not playing. You know, and so who tries to take up the slack? Obviously, Kobe does. But I think the bigger problem is that nobody can seem to control Kobe and even rescue him from himself. Okay, Kobe, Kobe is a guy, obviously, he's, he's the highest played player in the league. Okay, and he he plays like it and he works like it. He will never take himself out of a game. He'll always tell you he's ready to go. If he's injured, he will stay up all night long to treat the injury and get back. He had a severe ankle sprain, you know, in his in in his ankle and he was back within two games. And and nobody ever talks about it again. It's not like it's healed. Ankle sprains don't heal that fast. It's not healed. He's playing through it. You know, he's had like four or five different significant injuries like that this season, and we talk about it right as they happen, and then he comes back and plays, and then everybody just forgets about it. 
because he doesn't seem to show it and and he's not complaining about it. So we just think that it's not there. They're still there. Okay, they're still there. I mean, that's exactly what what happened with with Earl Clark. You know, he came out when he got his chance. He was playing great, fabulous, really helped us when we needed it so bad. When when both Powell and Dwight were out, and then Dwight came back and Powell went out again. We really needed Earl, and he really stepped up and he was playing really great. And then the last month or so, he he it seems, and it has been reported in local sports media as he just hit a wall. He hit that wall, and he just couldn't play. He couldn't maintain that type of play. Well, no. He was injured. He in, he sprained his ankle the same day that Kobe sprained his against Atlanta. He had, he had the exact, he'd happened earlier in the game, you know, and he came up and tried to play through it. And then Kobe goes out with a huge ankle sprain, and then Kobe comes back. So it's not like he's going to be able to say, oh, I can't play, my ankle's hurt. He, he has played through it, and he's not complained, he's not talked about it, not talked about with anybody, but he's out there playing on one foot. So what happened? How come Earl Clark's not playing better? Because he's injured. So what's been happening? Now, lately, the last maybe three or four games, all of a sudden, he's playing so much better. It's like, wow, what happened? Earl Clark, he just decided to up his effort now. Earl Clark has just remembered how to play. No, his ankle is better. <laughs> he's more healthy, you know? And, and you know, Powell comes back. Oh, man, Powell sucks. And look, at he's still a li- liability. And we need to amnesty Powell Gasol. And it's ridiculous. I mean, Powell, when he came back, obviously, after being out for so long, he didn't have his conditioning. We knew that. It took him two or three games to get that back. You know, once he did, oh my gosh, look how well Powell is playing. Wow, I can't believe it. Wow, Powell has just decided to suddenly play better. No. No. He's getting healthy. Why is all of a sudden Dwight Howard, after the All-Star break, has all of a sudden started to play better? Wow, Dwight must have just had a, a come-to-Jesus moment, and he had to, you know, he decided to all of a sudden start playing well again. No, he's getting healthy. It's everything. I mean, these guys are, are professional athletes. They're not accountants, okay? The only thing they have is, is their body uh, and their mind, and if their body's not right, there's not much you can do about it. So, I I don't I'm not really blaming effort anymore. Um, it's it's all it's all health. Once the the guy the the more healthy they are, the better they play, and that's been happening, you know. Um, and they I think they play hard. They're just they're not young, you know. I mean, Meta's up there, Pal's up there. Kobe's up there. Jameson is up there. I mean, the only really young guy, on, and Nash obviously is up there, the only young guy we have on the entire starting lineup is Dwight, you know, who's, who's dealing with, uh, you know, back, back surgery and a torn labrum in his shoulder. So it, we're not, you know, like Oklahoma City Thunder, whose average age of the team is 24, and the same starting five have been playing together for I think it's over a hundred games now, the same starting five for over a hundred games. Just think about that: the same starting five for a hundred games in a row. Like nobody's gotten injured, nobody's gotten hurt. They have the chemistry, they have the youth, they have the talent. So, is it a big surprise? Should it be a big surprise how good they are? Of course not. No. You, how can anybody compete with that? You know how how many games, how many games have our starting five played together this season? I think, without exaggeration, I think I can count them on my two hands. The amount of games that our starting five have all played together, have all started the game together, and how and here you go, how many games in a row have our starting five played together? You could probably count that on one hand. One hand. Okay? That's crazy. That's 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 ridiculous. So it's like I in the very beginning of the season, when the season started, and I said, you know, what's what's gonna what's it gonna come down to this season? I said it's gonna come down to health, you know, and unfortunately it has just kicked our ass. Health and injuries. You know, and and the guys are fighting through it. I mean, Kobe obviously is fighting through injuries. Earl is fighting through injuries. Dwight 
just decided to stop complaining about his injury and making sure everybody knew that he was injured and just started playing. He immediately started playing better once he did that. And then once he actually started feeling better and his and his back started getting better and better and better, his play also kept getting better and better and better and better. And when his conditioning got better, his play got better and better and better. So the guys are fighting. They're fighting through it. It's just I don't know if it's if it's enough. You know, will we be healthy enough? I mean, we're coming into the very last stretch of the season, the last final five games where we need to be putting everything together, getting hot as a team to bust into the playoffs and make some noise. And what's the reality? We still have two starters out. We have two starters out and only five games left. I mean, Meta World Peace is, is doing everything under the sun, but like with the exception of, or maybe not with the exception of, of making a deal with the devil, you know, going to the Zoltan machine and going young again or something, but he, he's doing whatever he's doing. He's, he's like ready to play. He had, his, he had knee surgery for a torn meniscus in his knee, minimum six weeks, minimum. It hasn't even been half that. And he's about 90% chance he's going to play the next game. That's nuts. That's ridiculous. But he's doing it. You know, they said the only thing keeping a player out uh, after surgery is swelling. Right, Andrew? But supposedly, MWP, does. he's not having any swelling. He's already been running on a treadmill. He's doing three-on-threes. He's, he, he says, according to him, he was ready to play three games ago. But chances are he's got an 80-90% chance that he's going to play the next game. That's ridiculous. These these guys are 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 doing everything that they can to to sacrifice their bodies and be ready to get out there and play. You know, maybe because they know that if they don't, we're screwed. Because it's not like D'Antoni's going to go to the bench. It's not like he's going to give Devin Ebanks a shot. You know, I mean, he was starting last year a bunch of games, but he's not going to get a shot. We have we're going to get no help from there, so we've got to do it. And and that's what they're doing, so it's 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 tough, you know. Steve Nash is the other injured starter, and he's probably still still out. He's been out for over a week now because of his his hip and back problems. And before he was out, he actually started to play two games and ended up going out within minutes. So, he, you know, he, we don't have that right now. I mean, Kobe's kind of been playing point guard anyway, but without Nash and without Meta, Kobe's playing ridiculous minutes because he knows, he, or he knows, he feels, he believes that he has to. And, and I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm not saying he's wrong at all. But he believes that he has to play those minutes for us to have a chance because of the injuries that we had and because of the short bench that every, we all know that we have. And what is D'Antoni doing about it? Nothing. Because D'Antoni has no control over Kobe. No control. And it's not, not like Kobe's being like a diva or prima donna or like, like when LeBron was in Cleveland under Mike Brown, like dictating when, how long the team was going to stay in a hotel in a certain city or, or when practice is going to be. I'm not talking about that. It's not that. I'm talking about his on the court. You know, D'Antoni, his method for maintaining Kobe's minutes is we ask Kobe, are you tired? Well, it's Kobe Bryant, all right? What do you think he's going to say? What do you think he's going to say? Of course, no, I'm not tired. And you watch it. You watch the game. You see him out there. He's dying, practically. He's so... Are you tired? No. No, I'm good. I'm good. And so he doesn't take him out. He doesn't have... D'Antoni doesn't have the balls or the credibility, but mostly he doesn't have the balls to, to just sit him down. Sit him down. You know, and maybe he might argue with him. Well, yeah, maybe he will. But dude, you're gonna run your your best horse right into the ground. You know, and it's it's he's got well, what am I gonna do? And once until Steve Nash gets back, you know, I need him out there. We need the minutes until Steve gets back. Yeah, it's always about well, when once Nash gets back. That's that's all we heard for the first two months that he was here because Nash was hurt. Well, once Steve Nash gets back, and how did that work out? Right? How did that work out? What happened when Steve Nash got back? Oh yeah, we weren't any better. Okay, it's it's an old, tired, broken record, and I'm really getting sick of hearing about it. So I'm I'm real concerned 
about about Kobe's minutes. Not because only just because he's seen, he looks so tired out there and he's 34 years old, 17th year in the league, playing these ridiculous minutes. There's no way that anybody can last that long doing that. You know, but the the and that's like almost like a long term issue of like, well, how is that going to affect like when he's going to retire, which actually I'm going to get to later on in the show. But the the pressing issue, the immediate issue dealing with that is how is it going to affect Kobe late in games? Does it affect Kobe? Does the incredible amount of minutes that Kobe is playing affect him late in games? Well, if you watch the games, the obvious answer is yes. Because Kobe wants the ball at the end, he wants to take the shot at the end, and if he's been playing the entire game, nine times out of ten, he's not going to have the legs to make the shot. And the problem is that, I mean, this this has been happening, I was gonna, this has been happening all year, this has been happening for 17 years, okay? Kobe will always want to take the shot, you know? And the problem is that this year especially, he has been more successful in those late game heroics, those late game taking over the thing, late game making the shot for the win. He's been much more successful in those situations this year than he's been for for years. Years before, he's always taken the shots, but it for somebody who watches every game and has for years and years and years, it it feels it always feels like the times that Kobe takes the last shot and misses are far greater than the time that he takes the last shot and wins. But the problem is that he's been much more successful this year. So obviously he thinks he can do it. He knows he can do it. Why does he know he can do it? Because he can do it and he has done it. And the whole team knows that he can do it. And the whole team knows he has done it. And so everybody just kind of lets it happen like the the last game when Kobe was so gassed at the end and he was still out there, still working, still trying. This is another reason why I say the problem is not the effort. You know, he's still out there trying, giving everything that he has to finish the game. And every time anybody got the ball, what happens? They throw it right to Kobe. Anybody gets the ball, throw it right to Kobe. And Kobe hang, hangs on to it and goes ISO and takes a contested shot. You know, and then, which which he can do, but if he's playing the entire game, you know, and has tired legs, most of the time it's not going to happen. And lately, that's what's been happening, you know. And now, is it is it Kobe's fault for trying to win the game? Is it Kobe's fault for trying to do everything that he that he can? No. Should Kobe pass more in those situations? Yes, yes, of course he should. Who's forcing him, or even even telling him to do that? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody at all. The coaches definitely are not telling him because they won't tell him anything for whatever reason. But that's not happening. So Kobe's going to run himself right into the ground because he feels that he has to. Because one, the coaches aren't stopping him from doing it. The coaches aren't relegating his minutes. And the, But the worst problem, I think, is that the coaching staff is not... Okay, okay, fine. You say, okay, I can't... You can't really coach Kobe Bryant because he's he's so good. He's a Hall of Famer. He can do amazing, miraculous things. He can do things that other other players can't even do. He's always going to give his whole heart and soul in there for the team and for the for the win. How can you stop that? Okay, okay, you can argue that. So what do you do if that's the case? If that's your problem, what do you do? Well, you should be putting all that attention and energy into that you're not able to coach Kobe Bryant and coach the rest of the team. Coach everybody else. Get everybody else. When Kobe gets the ball, move, move, cut, get open. But no. Every, and this has happened for all year long, and it's happened for years, and it's the most frustrating thing. Kobe gets the ball in isolation. We go, hey, watch, watch the ball hog, watch the ball hog. Well, you watch what happens when Kobe gets the ball. Watch what everybody else on the team does. What do they do? Yeah, exactly. They stand there. Everything stops. Kobe is not, doesn't have all the other players on puppet strings controlling what they do. That's them. That's on them and that's on the coaching staff. Get open. Move. Cut. Antoine Jameson does it sometimes. Sometimes Kobe gets the ball. He'll continue to move. And a lot of times he'll get the ball because of it. But move your feet. Kobe gets the ball, everybody stops, 
and stands around the perimeter. I mean, you see it every single game, play after play, game after game. You see it, you watch the next time. The game's on the line, Kobe gets the ball, what does everybody else do? They just stand on the edge of the perimeter with a guy in front of them. What's he going to do? What is he supposed to do? Pass to you, you're standing on the edge of the perimeter, covered. He's going to pass to you. Give me a break. Coach the team. I'm, st- I'm still, I try. I try, people. I really do. I, I, try, <laughs> I try really hard to try to give Coach D'Antoni credit, you know, and, and it hasn't been all bad. You know, he, he, he has totally adjusted his system to the players that he has and adjusted the way that they play, you know, or, or maybe he's just seceded the fact that he has no control of the team and they're going to play how they want, so and they're not going to play his system, so they might, he might as well let them do what they want and try to make that, that better. But even if, if that's the case, I mean, that takes a little bit of, of, you know, wisdom and intelligence just to do that. But, man, the, the question, like, like, the question that I ask myself and that some people have asked is, okay, if Phil was coaching this team right now, would they be better than they are right now? I mean, if the, if the injuries are the major problem, would they be any better if Phil was coaching? You know, and you, if you ask the majority of the L.A. sports media, I think the answer would be no. But if you ask me, I think the answer would be yes, they would. And, and he, here's why. Let me explain to you exactly why I think that's the case. Because two words. And they're not Phil Jackson. Okay. The two words why the team would be way better if Phil would be the coach is this. Kurt Rambis. That's why they would be better. Because if Phil was the coach, he would have brought in Kurt Rambis as his assistant to be in charge of the defense. That right there, folks, that would be the major difference in this team. Yes, the injuries would still have happened. It would still be depleted. I mean, it's not like Phil likes playing young players off the bench either. He's notorious for not playing rookies at all. Okay, so it's not like that problem would necessarily fix itself. Phil is the only person who can tell Kobe what to do. Phil is the only person that, like, everybody knows has the the gravitas, you know, or the ego to actually, that's bigger than Kobe Bryant's. You know, so he can tell him, dude, Sit down. I mean, actually, that, that's not really fair. Mike D'Antoni can do that. He has the ability to do that. He has the ability to control Kobe. He just doesn't. He needs to grow a pair and say, Kobe, stop. If you don't pass the ball, I'm going to take you out of the game. And then, and then Kobe would probably throw a fit. He would probably yell back or he would probably refuse to come out. You to call a timeout and you force his ass to sit down and say, yo, I'm the coach. You're the player. We need you. I need you to have rest. So you're going to rest. And if Kobe freaks out and and starts talking to the media, all you got to do is say, hey, I am the coach of this team. I am responsible for taking care of every person on this team and making sure they are ready to go. Kobe is the best player on the team. He is the best player in this league, and he is one of the best players in the history of this league. And right now, as coach of the Lakers, I am responsible for making sure that he is ready to play. If I let him do it, he will play every minute of every game because he is the type of person who will give everything, his heart and soul, for us to win. I have, my job is to save Kobe from himself. I need Kobe to be fresh. I need Kobe to be there for us. That's why I have to put my foot down and I have to control his minutes. Me, not him, but me as the coach of this team. If D'Antoni got in front of the media and said that, who would disagree? Who would disagree? Nobody. And it wouldn't matter what Kobe says because everybody fans, the media, everybody would be, yes, you are right. All of a sudden, Coach D'Antoni would get all this, this, this credence and, and credit and respect because he's actually doing what needs to be done and standing up to Kobe. And what would happen? Kobe would respect that. Kobe is on social media. It's not like Kobe lives in a bubble. He's on Twitter now. He's got a Facebook page. He's on Twitter. He hears what fans say. 
If that happened, you don't think Kobe would respect that? Of course he would. But that'll never happen. Because Coach D'Antoni doesn't have the balls to do it. And unfortunately, not many people do. There's only one person in the world, really, who has the balls to do that and the, the position. And that's Phil Jackson. Now, it's not like, well, Phil is such a hugely better coach than Mike D'Antoni that that's so the Lakers would be all the, also that much better. That's not the case. That's not what it is. I mean, sure, you could argue he's a better coach. I mean, obviously, he has a better record. He has much more rings, 11-1. to 1, But it's, it's not just that. It's what does he bring with him to the table. You know, he brings his own ego to the table. He, and even more importantly, he brings his own assistant coaches who actually know how to teach, implement, and maintain a defensive strategy and consistency. That is why this team would be better right now. And that is why we are in, in danger of, let's say, if the team doesn't make the playoffs. Or let's say if we lose in the first round and get blown out. Let's say... Jim Buss actually steps up to the plate, himself grows some balls, and say, and fires Mike D'Antoni and brings in Phil Jackson. That is a long shot, people, let me tell you. But if it happens and we end up having not one, not two, but $3 million coaches on the payroll at the same time, which is exactly what would happen if we brought Phil in and fired Mike D'Antoni, because Mike D'Antoni has a contract just like Mike Brown does. A multi-year, multi-million dollar contract. You can't just fire him and that means you don't have to pay him. You still have to pay him. So you're going to be hired. You're, you're going to bring in Phil Jackson, pay him multi-million dollar contract. Then you're still paying Mike D'Antoni, paying him multi-million dollars. And you're still paying Mike Brown, paying him multi-million dollars on the high, with the team with the highest team player, player payroll in the league. That, to do something like that, that takes balls. That takes confidence. That takes, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to win. Now, does Jim have that in him? Jim Buss? I don't know. I think Jim wants to win, definitely. I think he wants to do what's right for the team. I do believe that. But it, it takes a certain type of, uh, I don't mean to keep being... Uh, you know, on this podcast, uh, but it takes it takes it takes some it takes a certain amount of balls to do that. Obviously, Jerry West had that; he would do that. I don't know if Jim if Jim will do that. If he has, it takes a lot of confidence. I should just say confidence. It takes confidence to do that. Um, but that's what needs to be done. I mean, there's a, there's a shortcut. You know, there's a shortcut where you can get away with not hiring Phil and still improve the team, and that's hire Kurt Rambis. I've been saying that all year long since the beginning of the season. We all know that Mike D'Antoni is not a defensive coach. That's not his forte. It's not his strong suit. We knew that going in. Kurt is right here in L.A., would love to come back and coach the team. Why would you not just hire Kurt Rambis? Just do that, and the team will be infinitely better. The team's going to be infinitely better next year regardless. Even if D'Antoni stays, they're going to be infinitely better. Why? Because they will be healthy. Dwight will, will be healthy. You know, Powell will be healthy. Yeah, everybody will be a year older, but the more important thing is they will be healthy. Will they be able to play defense? That is the question. That is the real question. And that's a question that I'm not confident in with this current coaching staff. So they could get it done if they just bring in Kurt Rambis. But if they fire D'Antoni and bring in Phil Jackson, the one thing that that guarantees is we bring in Kurt Rambis. Okay, and that's that's the key to me. That's the key because the team can score. This team can play offense. Offense has never been the problem with the Lakers, ever. It's always been the inconsistent defense. And you want to see a Laker team? You want to see a Laker team playing good team, aggressive defense? You go back and watch Game 7 of the 2010 Finals. Game 7, Boston versus L.A. That is some sick defense. In-your-face defense by both teams, by the Lakers and by Boston. Two defensive teams battling it out, man. That is, that is some... That's a man's game right there, that game that they had. That was a battle. 
a defensive fight. So it's not like the Lakers as a team aren't capable of playing defense. Okay, they certainly are. It's just, you know, do they have a plan to do it? And, you know, who was there? Kurt Rambis was there. You know, so I think, I mean, I think Phil is great, and Phil has a lot of things that he can bring to the table, but the biggest thing is 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 Kurt Rambis. I mean, not to doubt Phil at all, I mean, but the reality is, I mean, think about how many championships has, has Phil Jackson won as a coach without uh, without Tex Winter there with him. You know the answer? None. Phil Jackson has not won a championship without Tex. When Tex went out, it kind of, uh, that's when everything kind of fell apart. Tex was a, a huge mentor figure for Kobe. Huge. And with him not there, it's uh, that's a hole. That's a big hole. But one thing is Phil is smart enough to bring in people who will help him with what he needs help with. And that is not something that I feel confident that D'Antoni does. All right, let me... Uh let me get off that. Um, let's see. Shaq's jersey retirement was just the other day. That was a that was that was a very cool moment. I thought. I thought that went well. I thought it was a that was a well a good ceremony. It was well handled. I mean, Phil got up and talked, and and that was cool. And and Jeannie got up there. It was great. I think the whole thing was really nice. There's there was a bunch of talk in sports media about you know Kobe not coming out and being a part of it, and that because he's selfish and and he should have been out there. And then, just shut up. Okay, shut up. Kobe is playing. He's an active player. He was in the middle of a very important game, and he needed to be either, one, he needed to be back with his teammates, okay, and two, he, he needed to ice up, okay? It's not like he can sit out there on, on the court with his, with his ankle in ice during halftime and give a speech. He did a pre-recorded speech that he did for Shaq, which was fine and good, and he, and he played that. So just I don't even want to talk about the whole thing that, oh, my gosh, I can't believe Kobe would have dissed a Shaq that he wasn't out there. He couldn't give three minutes of his time, you know, to go out there. Who couldn't give three minutes of his time? I mean, there's a guy on, on ESPN Radio, Marcellus Wiley. He's like, dude, give it a break. You're so obviously a Kobe hater right now that it's 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 making me obviously not even want to continue listening to your uh, to your show because, I mean, he, he did he did what he was supposed to do, which is be with his team. And it's a good thing, too, because when they're in the locker room, when Phil is out there talking and the crowd starts chanting, we want Phil, we want Phil, you could hear that in the locker room. And it got uncomfortable. Okay, the whole team's in there. The coaching staff is in there. They hear the whole crowd saying, we want Phil. That's an uncomfortable moment. What happens? Well, what happened in that moment? Kobe was there. Kobe got up and said, all right, guys, let's focus. All right, let's get, let's get together and, and think about what we're going to do. He was the one who brought the team together in the locker room because of that. Would that have happened if he would have been out on the court? Of course not. Okay? So, one, he made the right decision. He was there. He was needed by his team. He was needed by the ice to put on his ankle. So, the Kobe should have been there for Shaq's retirement. Shut up. I don't want to hear about it. Over. Done deal. All right. Good. The, it was a good ceremony. I meant, I wrote a little thing on Facebook about how I've kind of dropped my hatchet, buried the hatchet with Shaq because um, I've been real critical about him for everything pretty much since he, even before he left with his toe and his surgery and, and his work ethic and being out of shape and then the smack that he talked once he left and the smack that he talked to Kobe about Kobe and about the team and, and all that stuff and it's all whatever, water under the bridge. Now he's been immortalized as a Laker. His jersey is up on the, is up on the wall. He is a Laker for all time and I can get out my Shaq jersey now and, and, and put that on because I haven't worn it in years. But welcome back Shaq. You know, I think ultimately you're a good guy. You've done stupid things. You've said stupid things, and you haven't really taken them back or taken credit, or taken responsibility for the stupid things you've said. But you know, whatever. It is what it is. You're a Laker now, so welcome back to the family. Uh, and there you go. Um, all right, I'm gonna get to questions now. Uh, I got a question from uh, three about three questions from Joe Torres. Um, uh, we got, what does he say? Trusting that we do make the playoffs, who or whom do you think would be a better first-round match for the Lakers, San Antonio or OKC? Well, first of all, Joe, yes, that is a big if, <laughs> if we do make the playoffs. Um, trusting that we do, I think definitely San Antonio would be the better matchup for us. And just for the fact, it's not that San Antonio is a pushover. It's not that they're not a great team that has a great coach and a system that's in place and been in place for, like, what? 12, 15 years? I mean, think about that. You know, we're talking about, we complain about the system and new coach and the um, new coaching staff and the system. 
San Antonio's had the same system for 12 years, okay? The same coaching staff for 12 years. They There is no question on that team what the philosophy is, what the scheme is, what everybody's supposed to be doing. They have they went out and got a lots of young players off the bench. They play a long bench. They are, they're athletic. They have veteran leadership. They have Tim Duncan. Um they're a good team. The only the only thing the reason that I say I'd rather have San Antonio is because right now uh Manu Ginobili is is out. He's out for about 3 to 4 weeks which should take us through the second week of the playoffs which might just get us through that first round. So that's a big weakness that San Antonio has right now that only exists in the first round. So yeah, if we had to play anybody in the first round, I'd want to play San Antonio just because of that. Um we might not have a choice. Because Oklahoma City is probably going to overtake San Antonio for that number one spot before the before the playoffs are done, so uh, we might end up just having to play Oklahoma City anyway, and which is not really a good thing for us. But there it is, and that's my take on that. Okay, so second question Joe has is: Do you believe that Kobe will retire after next season? As he has mentioned the other day, that he would. Uh, I've talked about this also on the podcast, and I do believe he will retire after next season. The only, the only situation that I believe will keep that from happening would be if the Lakers win a championship next year with Phil Jackson as the coach. That's the only situation that I see would even consider a possibility of Kobe playing longer than next year. And now originally I had said when I talked about this early in the season, I said if if the Lakers win next year, then Kobe might come back for one more year. If they win this year and not next year, I think Kobe retires. If they don't win either year, I think Kobe retires. If they win both years, I think Kobe retires. The only way is if they would win n- next year not this year but they win next year then Kobe might come back for one more year to go for seven now that's that's still the case but I add the, the caveat to that which is that the lake is if the Lakers win next year with Phil Jackson as the coach because I think if the Lakers were to win next year with Mike D'Antoni as the coach I don't think Kobe comes back and the reason is because he will be dead he will be dead. He the the way as much as Mike D'Antoni runs Kobe and plays him and allows him to play so many minutes, um, it, there's no way he'll want to keep doing that. Even if they win a title next year, if it's Mike D'Antoni, that means that Kobe is going to be playing ridiculous, stupid minutes because he doesn't have the balls to put him down and to rest him, and that there's no way that Kobe will come back for another year. I mean, the the amount of work that it takes, first of all, in the offseason, for him to prepare himself, his body at this age, to, to compete at the highest level, and then the amount of work that it takes during the season to just maintain that, it's it's crazy. It's ridiculous. And people don't realize how much it is. And there's no way he'll do it for another year to go through all that work. The only way is if he could actually, if his minutes were regulated and his role maybe was slightly regulated. Going back into that third year, like the team is just popping, this championship team that isn't dependent on Kobe to win. And Kobe is becomes the X factor in, of the team, the X factor that we all envisioned he would be this year because of the main, of the personnel that we had, but because of all the slew of injuries and the bad and inconsistent play we've had, Kobe has not been the X factor. He's been the only factor that's kept us in the games and kept the season afloat. So if that continues to happen, and if it continues to happen next year under Mike D'Antoni, even if we win the championship, I tell you, Kobe will not come back, and he will retire after next year, guaranteed. That's my take. Last question. We usually retire Hall of Famers jerseys, but do you believe they will or should retire Derek Fishers? Okay, that's a great question, Joe. Um, Now, do I believe they should retire Derek Fishers jersey? I, I could argue that. I could I could argue that I could totally argue that you should retire Derek Derek uh, Derek's jersey up in the rafters. Derek has won five championships as a Laker, um, and that's that's legit. And he's he's been there with Kobe the whole time, and uh, that's a very impressive thing. Uh, wh- do I believe they will retire Derek Fisher's number? 
Uh, no way. There's that's, that's not happening. It's not happening, and I'll tell you why. I can tell you why they the Lakers will not retire Derek Fisher's number. Uh, in two words, Michael Cooper. Okay, Michael Cooper played for the Lakers in the '80s. Played for Showtime. It was a, a huge integral part in the success of that team. Michael Cooper won five championships as a Laker. Is Michael Cooper's jersey retired up on the rafters? No, it's not. Is Michael Cooper going to go into the Hall of Fame? Probably not. Is Derek Fisher going to go into the Hall of Fame? Probably not. That answers your question right there. There's no way that Derek Fisher's jersey is going to go up if they didn't retire Michael Cooper's jersey. Now, if I go back and say, well, I think maybe I could argue that they should retire Derek Fisher's jersey. Would I also argue that they should retire Michael Cooper's jersey? Yes, of course. Definitely. Without a doubt. So that's that's my story. That's how I feel about that. Um, all right. So I'm going to wrap this up. Um, I'm, I'm sorry about the levels here. I, I set the levels before I started the podcast, but I think I've uh, gotten a little excited during this one, and I might have caught... If I caused you to have to turn down your iPod, radio, whatever your listening device is, uh, I apologize for that. I just... I tend to get excited sometimes and maybe talk a little bit louder than I should. Um, but anyway, with that, thanks for listening. And and please, those those of you who are out there who are who are contributing to on the Facebook page, um, Joe and all you guys like that, Ramiro, uh, Kenny, Gabe, all you guys, uh, Pedro, continue continue to do it. Continue to give me your input. Continue to give me your questions. Um, if you're not on the Facebook page, come come over, give us a like on there. Uh, Ask Laker Lance at Facebook. You can also find us Ask Ask, Ask Laker Lance on Twitter. Um, and you can you can contribute that way too. Uh, any que- give me your questions. I'll talk about it on the podcast. And um, here we go. Let's continue to support the team. This is the final stretch, right? Hopefully we'll get in. And if we get in, hopefully we can make some noise. But no matter what, I know we're upset. I've been upset about what's happening and the coaching and, and this and that. But let's we still got to get out there and support the team. All right? Let's support the team. Win or lose. Live or die. Go Lakers. Thank you.